Welcome back. You're watching Stock Picks, and today we unpack NVIDIA, Cadence Design Systems, and Meta Platforms with Sean Dendera from Tribe Investment South Africa. In our educational segment, we'll shed some light on ETFs. Sean, always a pleasure and a good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you too, and thanks for having me. All right, Sean, you've taken us international today. Let's talk about why you have chosen uh, these set of uh, stocks today. All right. So firstly, I've gone international uh, because I believe that, you know, there is more liquidity on international stocks versus, you know, some of the local stocks that we have here in South Africa. So I went with, you know, the tech sector. I think that has been, you know, the topic of this year and particularly AI and AI generative technology. Right. So I'm going to start off with Cadence. Mm -hmm. Right. So the reasons why I chose Cadence. Mm -hmm. So Cadence uh, is basically a company that has software that basically makes uh, your design semiconductors for AI generative technologies such as NVIDIA and, you know, Google, Tesla, etc. What I really like about this stock is that, you know, it is quite volatile in terms of price movement. Uh, so if you're looking to, you know, get in and get out when it comes to a stock, it's quite a nice stock. And then just looking at its numbers, their balance sheet is quite strong. I see that, you know, they are expecting earnings per share to grow by about 15 to 16% next year. Revenue has been up by about 15% this year, which, you know, which bodes well for the company. Um, and one interesting thing is that with, with us, with AI being the new thing, a lot of these companies cannot create, you know, their semiconductors or their chips without cadence being involved as much as they'll own the technology. But in terms of implement, implementation and designing the technology, that's where cadence comes through. And one thing I do like about their balance sheet as well is that they are actually trying to use 50% of their um, operating cash flow to buy back some shares. So that means, you know, there's going to be less shares in the market, meaning that their share price will essentially rise in the long term as well. I'm going to get your thoughts uh, also on their ability to make acquisitions. Yeah, I see that they have recently made one. Uh, what sort of strategic acquisitions uh, could a company like Cadence uh, make, specifically shown based on where they sit on the AI value chain, if I must? Like you're saying that anybody who's looking at generating uh, AI uh, will have to maybe glance in Cadence or its competitors' direction. All right. So in terms of acquisitions, what, what I see that they're trying to do is as much as they are designing, you know, uh, they have software that helps them design these semiconductors for, you know, the AI chips. What, um, what is interesting internally is that they are making strategic moves in order to actually use AI themselves in order to be more efficient in terms of their ultimate objective of, you know, providing to their clientele. What's also interesting about them is uh, when we speak about uh, AI plays, and maybe when we speak about NVIDIA in a bit, we can do a, a, a direct comparison. The price of a, sh a stock here, yeah? like, you know, compared to some AI stocks, is it on the expensive side, Sean? So I'll, I wouldn't say that it seems expensive mm -hmm. because, you know, the number is high over $200 per share. But with, you know, with AI and its growth pro prospects, I do think it is quite, I don't want to say cheap, but um, 
it is quite valuable stock, a valuable stock to potentially purchase. And I did mention that, you know, with the with the volatility that Cadence actually experiences is that you, they, there is opportunity for that stock price to go down so that, you know, people can get in. But over the long term, it is still going to rise in my view. I'm keen to touch now on NVIDIA. That's been the star of the year. I think uh, very few analysts are not speaking about NVIDIA, but I worry about an NVIDIA bubble uh, that has been created, Sean. I'm keen to get your thoughts on why you like the counter. And if uh, it's just maybe a person who's risk averse like I am would see a bubble, there isn't one really. So initially, I thought that it was a bubble. Uh, if you had asked me this question maybe earlier in the year, mm. I'd have believed that you know it is a bubble. But you know we can't avoid where the world is going in terms of technology and AI. There is an outlook like the outlook that you know there is going to be about a thirty percent growth in um, AI generative technology at least in the next ten years. And what is where NVIDIA is positioned is that it has, you know, the largest market share in terms of the chips that are used for AI in, you know, technologies such as OpenAI, which has ChatGPT that I think everyone knows. They've also gone into partnerships with clouds such as Google, because Google also needs uh, these chips for, you know, their their use of technology, them going into AI and um, looking at the earnings per share, they're expecting growth over 30% in the next year. So if everything holds, you know, I don't think that is a bubble. I think other companies are actually going to start start to be playing catch up with NVIDIA rather than uh, us calling it a bubble. Mm. And just historically, I was just reading that, you know, NVIDIA, NVIDIA had this idea maybe about 10, 15 years ago. So it has been something that is planned and it's not, you know, something that they stumbled upon by fluke. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. Uh, what, that's how you put it. I'm keen to find out about then where NVIDIA does fit into the AI picture. We saw with Cadence, for instance, uh, that, uh, you know, most uh, AI, uh, generative AI operators or uh, companies would have to interact with it. Is NVIDIA in the same sweet spot there, uh, you know, with uh, their own technologies? And as you're saying, uh, they've been uh, developing their, their, their semiconductor, their chips for years. Um, and so they've already got a competitive advantage there. Uh, do they then appeal to various industries as well? Yes, yeah, so I think uh, they are appealing to um, the general tech industry. Mm -hmm. So... If you look at, so I mentioned companies like Google, they have, you know, gone into partnerships with NVIDIA. You have Tesla that is trying to make a supercomputer. They need uh, chips from NVIDIA and, you know, Tesla as a, well, I don't know if you want to call it a vehicle company, but mm -hmm. I'm going to call it a tech companies for the purposes of this exercise. Mm -hmm. So they, they're well suited, you know, to technically explode as a company in terms of growth on their books and growth from a share price perspective. And then just looping back to Cadence, right? So the fundamental difference here is that Cadence is not um, making the chips per se, mm -hmm. right? So they're basically designing it, right? And so they've got software that designs it and let's call them the engineers. And then the implementation of these chips, that's where the likes of NVIDIA comes in. So they are in two, technically two different businesses, 
but serving, you know, almost the same market. Let's also touch on, uh, you know, the, the growth prospects of NVIDIA. Has the easy money been made, Sean? I do think that, um, I think that's a very difficult question yeah, to answer. Is it a but, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, money has been made. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, there was um, a point where, you know, the share price really did shoot up. So the easy money has technically been made. There is still room to room for, you know, cash to be made on that stock um, between, let's call it the next year, next two years, while, you know, the rest of the competitors out there are playing catch up. What we also saw during COVID was a semiconductor shortage. I'm wondering, uh, you know, if as we head into a recession, for instance, uh, where the, there could be a global economic downturn, these companies could experience a demand and supply issues again, uh, this time with a demand uh, issue where, you know, uh, with the demand and supply issue, with the supply issue, where there is an oversupply um, and, and demand not so much because of uh, the recessionary environment that the world may find itself in. Well, I mean, AI, I don't think, for me, I don't think it's a problem mm. in that because what AI is doing to, you know, our daily lives, uh, the markets, etc. So I think people will lean into this new tech in order to, you know, rebalance either their companies, either your own personal lives, etc. So I do think that there will still be demand regardless of what is happening in you know, the economy from a recession perspective. I think it's actually an opportunity for these companies, AI companies to actually think and expand. Let's talk Meta now. Uh, Meta is a company, of course, we know it for Facebook and all the things uh, that uh, it does. At some point, they were heavily invested in the metaverse. Investors brought them right back. Uh, They seem to be moving in the direction of AI. What is happening within Meta um, with AI? uh, You know, Sean, how does it play itself out within that group? All right. So as you mentioned, so people tend to know Meta as, you know, your Facebook, WhatsApp, Twitter, etc. I mean, Instagram, not Twitter. Apologies for that. And, you know, they are they have a, a large market share. They've got a lot of data purely from, you know, their, their clientele's from social media. And I look at Meta more so as an advertising business. Right. So when you look at, um, you know, where the economy is going, I do think that with the markets having a pullback, there is going to be a lot of opportunity for Meta from the advertising business perspective, because companies will need to shield themselves against, um, against you know, the potential recession. And that's where uh, potentially AI is going to come in for Meta. So it is also just a technology company. Mm-hmm. I do think that they are quite behind uh, when it comes to, you know, creating data centers, um, etc. From an AI perspective, it is something that they are looking into in the long term. So we'll see, you know, with Meta, how they, how they, you know, how they play out. And what I liked about Meta specifically, right, um, just leaning into the recession. Yes, there is the AI link that we've been speaking about, um, speaking about for the course of this conversation. 
However, it is a nice stock to have because of uh, the strong balance sheet that it has. So with the high interest rate environment that, we, what, that we've been seeing all year, with the potential recession that's coming in, I, d- I do think that Met is well placed you know, to weather the storm, storm from a balance sheet uh, perspective. And then as, and as much as a so- social media, mm-hmm. as also just a large advertising business, mm-hmm. they, they are they're perfectly positioned you know, to still potentially grow going forward and then potentially in- implement you know, those data centers and jump into the realm of AI. I'm keen to get your thoughts on Meta's hardware in terms of AI. Uh, they've got those Quest uh, virtual reality, uh, you know, uh, gear stuff that you can put on your face and you can really work with. Is this a niche for them, um, a place where they could uh, move into AI and actual hardware uh, in a way uh, that uh, maybe the first two uh, can't because of the where they sit on uh, the value chain here? Uh, what I'm basically asking is if Meta could be more consumer-facing with AI and that could be their niche. So I don't necessarily think that, you know, uh, that would be their niche. Because if you look at Meta this year, they have been trying to focus on their core business. You would be surprised to know that, you know, Facebook, as much as people think that, you know, Facebook is is dwindling, um, their numbers are actually up. Uh, they've made massive cost, uh, cost-cutting measures in order for them to grow their core businesses, as we mentioned, um, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, etc. The hardware side of the business, I think for me, it is something that is technically a side project. I do know that Meta also cut out some projects in order for them to have the brilliant results they have. And then competitions with, with companies such as Apple, you know, Apple had that uh, virtual reality um, mask thing. I yes. forgot the name of it. Yes, yes, yes. And they're already ahead of the game in that pers- um, perspective. I do think that they will focus on their core business. And then once they consolidate that, and once we see more growth on that side, then we may see them investing a little bit more in what I would refer to as side projects. I'm keen also to now get your your rating of these counters for a retail investor uh, with some uh, money and looking to invest in AI. In what order would you buy these counters, Sean? So my order would be NVIDIA. That is in the short to medium term, followed by Cadence, which is also still in the short to medium term. And then lastly would be Meta. I think I will still I would have Meta purely because uh, of the state of the economy uh, that we are potentially going into a recession, their high interest rates, and it's historically, you know, been in the market for a very long time. Let's now speak about uh, you know the educational term today is an ETF. Talk to us about why you've chosen an ETF today and what exactly uh, you know you'd like us to learn about it today. All right, so I thought about an ETF because I find that, you know, a lot of novice investors don't know the difference between a share and an ETF. And I think it is a nice financial instrument for, you know, people that don't have 
people that are new to the markets don't have really the acumen to break down specific companies. So with an ETF, uh, the difference is that between a share and an ETF is that a share you're just buying equity in a singular company. And then with an ETF, I like to refer to it as a basket, right? So in this basket, let's use the companies that we spoke about mm-hmm. today. I could go and buy a share in Meta, a share in Cadence, a share in NVIDIA, right, individually. However, I can also go invest in this basket. And in this basket, we will have the shares of Meta, NVIDIA, Cadence, and let's call it a tech basket. And then that basket is already diversified for you. It's already passively managed for you. And it's tracking, you know, the underlying stocks without you having exposure to singular companies. And it's also cheaper in the long run. Yes, I was going to ask about the issue of, uh, you know, uh, access in terms of price, because, of course, we were speaking about the NVIDIA share price is at $400. Um, when you put that in rands, it's a little bit scary. Uh, so I'm actually keen to get that, that are ETFs generally cheaper and possibly the best way to access stocks that you might not ever be able to afford uh, because of how expensive they are in dollar terms? 100%. Mm-hmm. So ETFs are relatively ch- a lot cheaper than going into individual shares, especially if you want to build a diversified portfolio. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're actually just getting parts of, you know, maybe the sectors that you're interested in without putting, without having the outlay of the full notional value of buying singular shares in specific companies. Well, Sean, it's always a pleasure chatting with you and getting your thoughts and insights. Thank you so much for uh, your time today. It's been a pleasure. That was Sean Dendere from Tribe Investment South Africa.